Welcome to the Equipping Podcast. My name's Karen Hinson, and I'm here with Nathan Wagnon. What's up? Today, we're back with Christy and Paige talking about Watermark's Urgent Care Clinic and how we can do ministry in the workplace. Hope you enjoy this conversation. We're excited to have Christy Shermack and Paige Delgado back with us this week. Ladies, welcome back. Hey. <laughs> nice. That's good. Okay, Conductor Karen. Hey, uh, I really, I might feel that. I have a lot of little sayings like, yeah, bra, or mm, yeah, yeah. Hey. I can't do the, oh, cur. that's as close as I can get. <laughs> that was well, we'll get Laura Webb to, to yeah. keep that one. Yeah, My that, staff keeps me young. Yeah, nice. I love it. <laughs> I didn't have any idea what that was. I had to go, I was like, uh, what? what is, why did everybody laugh when that happened? <laughs> anyway, I'm old. Yeah. <sighs> Old dog. I don't know what just happened. And we're back. <laughs> we are back. We're back. Let's drive on. <laughs> All right. So last week, we kind of got to unpack who y'all are, what the clinic is, the way that y'all run, who you get to see every day, talking about how we love people. And the, one of the last things that we talked about was the type of volunteers that you have and just your volunteer base and how you have, you said, over 150 volunteers. Well, that, that was, was in. Yeah. That was now 220 and upwards. Yeah. 220 and mm-hmm. upwards of volunteers helping to run the clinic. Is that at each clinic? That's total between total, the two. Total between the two. That is a lot of people. So part of our desire on this podcast is to help people live out their theology. And so as I look at that, you all have 220 volunteers who are from the church who are using gifts and skills that they've been equipped with outside of the church body, mm-hmm. uh, and they're using them in really significant ways in ministry. And so from administrators to nurses and doctors and dentists, help us understand who your volunteers are and how they're using their unique training in this ministry. Yeah, so we do have a lot of medical professionals, which makes sense because we're a clinic. And medicine is an easy way to transition conversations. There is nothing that makes you more acutely aware to your need for healing than being unwell. And so um, it's always easy to teach and kind of train on how to engage in those spiritual conversations when people are coming and saying, I'm sick. And it's like, hey, yeah, you are. Let's talk about it. Um, but then we have a whole demographic of people who have nothing to do with medicine and don't want to have anything <laughs> to do with medicine. So we have stay-at-home moms. We have a fet- Is that or- like Christy? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I, I like it. <laughs> I've watched stitches. She's helped with dentistry. I've she's watched teeth suction. people. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. She's nice. gotten in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The don't bother me. Good job, Chris. Um, <laughs> but yeah, everything from stay-at-home moms to engineers to a former federal judge um, who is now serving in the tech role. He went to uh, get a degree to become a paramedic just so that he could serve at the clinic. Another huge demographic that we're so proud of is some of um, those who are retired and who are not just kicking up their heels and moving to Florida to you know, sit on the beach, but who are going to war every day and are working harder than some people I've ever seen in my life. Mm -hmm. And they are there every day. And so we have a wide demographic of volunteers who show up every day to serve along with us. Students as well. Students, yeah. People that think maybe medicine one day, which is also another one we get excited about because they're learning before they even have the credential on how to engage spiritually in that setting. So how do you feel like this ministry is equipping them to then go back into their places of work or to then go back into their homes or their neighborhoods? Some ways I've described it is uh, at church, they're getting a little bit of the lecture, like they're hearing the teaching from the front or in a classroom setting. And then we're a little bit of the laboratory where it's like you go and you mix the chemicals and try it out and see what the results are. And so it feels like that environment, like, hey, just go try it out. A lot of the, hey, come with me in this room, see how I handle an abortion conversation. Then next time you're going to lead it and I'm going to watch you. And then now you should be able to do that for the rest of your life. And so 
Um, that's what a lot of the training looks like is just, hey, come figure it out. Come check it out. You got to come and see it. Walk with us for a little bit and you'll just be changed by being around that environment. But then we also do some really intentional equipping around those topics for our volunteers because we know that they are seeing it at a frequency enough that we want them to have the logistical thought process in their mind as they walk into the room. So we spend time once a year, we gather all of our volunteers together and do our own little version of a training where we get to talk through whatever topics are important for that year. Um, This last one, we spent time on the transgender issue and how do we love people in the medical environment that come in maybe presenting differently than the gender that they were given by the Lord. We talked about abortion. We talked about immigration, just some of those topics that you get to see so clearly in the medical environment and how to apply their faith to that. We also spend a lot of time as people on board talking to them about how to share the gospel in some very clear ways. We give them the bridge illustration, Romans Road, just all that stuff that you've seen in classroom environments. They're now getting to practice uh, day in and day out. So it's really a combination of those two things. There's a good dose of just come check it out, learn as you go. And then there's another piece where we do infuse some education. Which is so critical. If I could just insert this real quick. If you're a pastor or a lay leader of a ministry somewhere and you're listening to this, then as an equipper, I'm the guy on the stage teaching the class. Like I'm the guy that's lecturing that Christy talked about. And it's so critical that opportunities like this exist for your people because giving somebody information is, is actually a really small part of their actual formation. I mean, there's statistics out there. I'm, I'm going to throw some out that's probably close to it. But it's something like upwards of 75% or even more of the information that people hear in a lecture, they totally forget it. Because there's nothing in their life that they have to connect it to. And so it's just like it hits them in the head and bounces off. Mm-hmm. But it's that same percentage when people hear something and then they're put into a situation where the need to employ that information is really powerful mm-hmm. that all of a sudden whoosh, it links. And now, like we say in the South, now now you're cooking with grease. You know? it's, <laughs> things are things are popping, you know. Yeah. And and so I would just encourage you one, if you've been sitting in lectures and not deploying what you've been learning, then you're missing out, mm-hmm. right? And then also, if you're a church leader and you're listening to my voice, you've got to figure out ways to deploy people. Mm-hmm. If we're doing equipping ministry and all we're doing is transferring information, then we're doing it wrong. Yeah. Can I meddle there for a minute? Absolutely. So I, I have a hot take on the church pair church relationship these days. And I think you're touching on something that hits why the church is maybe misunderstood in our culture so much is we've outsourced that piece in a lot of regards. Breach. And so what's especially unique about us is that we are a nonprofit run by the church. It's not, you know, over time that's happened before, but they're often done with the intention of spinning them off and being a separate board, separate governance over time. And so operationally, there's reasons to go after a separate 501c3. But as you look at scripture, there's no mechanism for a 501c3 in scripture. It was the church loving and caring for their city, gathering together to remind themselves why they do it and going through that rhythm over and over and over again. And what we've done because of an organizational structure in our country is separated those two things. And so you have nonprofits that are doing a lot of the work, but maybe don't have the gospel roots that they should, or at one point they did and they've faded over time. Mm -hmm. And then you have the church that's sitting and not doing the act of the gospel. And so I think that's a lot of the reason why our culture kind of wrinkles their nose in our direction and says, you're not really helpful. And so just to meddle on that for a minute, if you are a church leader, I would make sure the ministries that you're working with 
consider those things and see you as a true partner. And that structure is just a structure issue. It's not a theological or foundational issue that the gospel is separated from the good works. Yeah, totally. Well, I mean, you look at the history of the church and throughout really, but especially the first two to 300 years of the church, it was just people deploying into places that yep. nobody else wanted to go. Yeah. And, and that's why when the plague hit uh-huh. and all of these different things are going on, who were the people who were staying, right. who were loving on people, who were dying with people, right. right? And it was people who were telling them that Jesus loves them. Yes. You know, the greatest apologetic is love. Mm-hmm. So don't outsource it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> why, like, why? Why would you do that? That's like saying, hey, you guys go ride that awesome roller coaster over there. I'm just right. going to sit over here. Right. Like, no, get on the ride. And and I think to piggyback, like to add to that, uh, we know not every church is resourced in the same way. And so it's not go launch 13 clinics. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It might be partner with the one that's already there, totally. but make yeah. sure there's an onboarding path that your people are being deployed in their gifts in that environment with the root of the gospel at the center. Look, I don't, I don't care where you are. Uh-huh. I don't care how much money you have or don't have or whatever there is so much need laying on the ground just lift your head up and look around Mm -hmm. and i promise you you take 10 Mm -hmm. steps and there's an opportunity Mm -hmm. when i think part of the problem is that we're almost blind to everything that's around us and we've learned to separate our lives so we have our church bucket over here and then we have our neighborhood bucket over here and we have our family bucket over here and we have our work bucket over here yeah we're fragmented yeah and so it's not just that the church is fragmented as a whole because we have church over here and all these parachurch ministries over here but it's that we as individuals have learned to separate these different areas of our life instead of letting the gospel cover all of it and so as y'all have worked in this environment, what advice do you have for our listeners who are going into an eight to five job every day in an office and, and that feels like their work bucket and then over here on the weekends is their church bucket? How do you counsel them? What advice do you have for them to kind of start to integrate these two aspects of their life? Because the gospel and their faith, it should be a part of all of it. Something we do at the clinic with every shift is we start with devotional time. Um, so we say we actually go through Join the Journey, which is, you know, Watermark's online um, resource um, for a daily devotional. And, and we go through that. And sometimes we'll talk through the discussion, the questions there. But we always try to pose questions of, hey, what does this teach me about God, about myself? And then how can I apply this today at the clinic? Mm. And so and, and then, hey, I'm going to follow up with you. I want to know how you got to share this with the patient today or what that was. And so that's the place that you start first is one, you always have to be rooted in truth. And then ask yourself, hey, where can I apply this today and know that? Like when you clock in, you never clock out in Mm -hmm. ministry. Yeah, it's not like you say, I'm going to stop following yeah. Jesus right now. <laughs> yeah. I have to go to work. Pause. Pause, please. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, That's how we act, though. It is absolutely. It is. Absolutely. And I think some people get just this idea of like, okay, I have to go into work and I'm going to share the gospel and just hit them over the head with it. Every single person like, hey, it's a daily act of faithfulness, of being a friend to people and being a witness. When I was a leader at Children's, I was a team leader in my unit, and I just every day told myself, First Timothy 4.12, of do not let anyone look down on you or young because I was very new there and I was very young, but set an example in your speech, conduct, faith, love, and purity. And so some of the best interactions I had with my other staff members was just how they saw my actions. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to share the gospel directly, and but I always got a chance to once they saw my actions. And so when I had conflict with one other nurse and I went to him and asked his forgiveness, he was like, there's something different about you. Yeah. So just like setting an example in the way that you live, building relationships, and just like you would with the patient, hey, ask that one extra question of your coworker, get to know them, ask them mm-hmm. questions and show them that you care because they were first cared for. And when they ask you why, like, why are you always like so intentional with me? Let them know. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say start there. 
I would say if you are fragmenting your walk with Jesus apart from the other pieces of your life, then you are really missing out because it is a wild adventure when you allow Jesus to inform how you go to your nine to five job and sit in a cube. And so the Lord allowed me to toil in that for about five years before I came on into this role um, where I was your typical millennial. I became a believer, thought, oh, I have to like move overseas and I want to live in a tent in Africa. And that's how you'd be a follower of Jesus. I need to start my own nonprofit. All the things our age group tends to think looks like obedience. And instead, God had me at an engineering firm sitting in a cube with a bunch of other engineers, which maybe you guys would assume this or not. Like, we're not the liveliest fun bunch. What? Shocker. <laughs> what? Um, I'm a little bit of an anomaly, and I think I <laughs> only enjoy talking to people because of Jesus. So, left to my own devices, I would sit at a computer all day. But um, so that was the environment I was in. And at the first probably six months to a year, I was very frustrated with it. And I sat there and I felt like, oh, I need to go somewhere else to be on mission and this and that. And I would spend all day looking at plane tickets and looking at mission organizations to do a work for instead. And God was just very faithful to shift my perspective on that, where there was a handful of incidences where I started having conversations with coworkers and all of a sudden my eyes were open to hey, this, this is somebody that's hurting. Um, they're sitting three feet away from me day in and day out. And I have the chance not only to do my work with excellence to gain opportunity to influence this whole environment and culture, but I also have the chance to love them as an individual. And so some of the ways that played out just to encourage those that aren't in the medical field is the one-on-one -on -one evangelism. Like I got to see people meet Jesus in my engineering firm simply because day in, day out, they watch me do my work with excellence. They ask me questions. I had a woman twice my age say, hey, why am I coming to you for advice? Like you are half my age. You don't have kids. I have kids. I have kid issues. How come the single girl in her 20s is the source of my counsel? And I was like, well, because I know the God who created the universe, and I'm just repeating what he has God has a lot of children. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, and this, this gal, I got to sit at a Mexican restaurant and watch her pray to receive the Lord over time. And so, but like, that is a wild adventure that I would have missed out on if mm. I had fragmented my yeah. faith from my work. Well, part of the fragmentation that happens is... I have my religious life. I'll go to church. I'll do whatever I need to do to like be a member and be in good standing or whatever. But when I go to work, like it's about work. Right. And ultimately, I think for most people, it's about a paycheck. It's about providing, mm -hmm. you know, for mm -hmm. a family. It's about material well-being, which uh, can be a very self-centered way to live. You know, it can be a, I'm going to go do this for me. And I get it. Like there are times when it's like, you got to put your head down and get a job done. And, you know, you kind of get in the zone and, I got mm -hmm, I have mm -hmm. to do this task. But I think if we learn to walk in step with the spirit, then I think one of the evidences that you are walking in step with the spirit is you become naturally others focused. You become the type of person who when you're sitting in the cube instead of thinking, "Uh, got to get this work done or I got a man, what what time is it?" kind of in your own little world, instead you become the type of person who's like, "Wait a minute. I've been praying for that person over there and they look like they are hurting mm -hmm. or they look like they're celebrating something and mm -hmm. I go celebrate with them or what, whatever it is. Because like I said, you know, a minute ago, it's like, Hey, pick your head up, look around, walk 10 feet. And there's an opportunity. Mm -hmm. You don't have to go to Africa to live in a tent to be with somebody who needs Jesus. They're everywhere. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and if you're sitting there thinking, well, I'm just really unequipped to have those hard conversations. I'm here to tell you, you are. 
you are never going to be perfectly equipped. You are not Jesus, mm-hmm. but you do have his spirit to lead you. And I've had conversations at the clinic with transgender patients. I knew nothing about how to engage a transgender patient. Mm-hmm. And I've gotten to sit there and just speak truth and the little truth that I know and then just trust God with the rest and for them to walk out and say, I felt so loved here today and feel welcome enough to continue to come back. And yeah. so mm-hmm. you will feel unequipped. But if you aren't equipped, we can help you. We can help you. <laughs> we, we, have know deal, people. we have this deal called yeah. answering the tough ones. You really should take it out. <laughs> you will always be somewhat unequipped, but you always are able to be faithful. Totally, yeah. When I think even as our listeners are sitting here, some of them might be thinking, you have no idea who I work with. Mm-hmm. They're just going to reject this truth. Mm-hmm. Or I can't engage with them. They're so hostile. Or I've tried and they've shut me down. So can y'all speak to that? Because I'm sure with 10,000 patients in a year that not everybody is raising their hand saying, amen, preach, I love <laughs> oh, yeah. Jesus. And if there, ever there's going to be a patient to yell or get angry, it's, it's always directed. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I, I am the porta potty of the clinic. I catch, all, I catch all the poo. So. <laughs> then you're the perfect person to ask. More ways so than how, one, probably. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, oh. Literally and figuratively. So how can you um, speak to those people? And how do you yourself prevent getting burned out yeah. of like discouraged? Yeah, it's just knowing that, hey, anytime that you get to be faithful and share Jesus, it's always a win. It's a win if they believe and they trust in it. It's a win if they didn't, but they would listen and they were engaged and they left with that stone in their shoe. And it's a win if they cursed you and walked out the door because you were still faithful and you've created for yourself treasures in heaven. And so just knowing, hey, every time you share, it is a win. And so be faithful with that and don't be discouraged by that. Know that that person who walked in, they're sick, so they're already having a bad day. Um, they just don't know what you know. And so it's your opportunity to share that with them and what they do with that is on them and it's not your job to fix or change anyone and that how you respond in those moments still bears witness to the Jesus that you're claiming and so stay calm don't escalate with them um, continue to love in those moments even if they don't see it somebody else is watching as I shared last time I'll just go on to, hey, how do you prevent burnout? Like, know yourself. There are some of our staff who they need to sit in the corner and cry for a minute. I need to go take a walk in the alley and mm-hmm. be angry for a minute. Uh, and, and If let you ever that drive out. by and see Paige out there <laughs> yeah, throwing stuff. You can stuff. see okay. the alley from okay. 35. Okay. If you see me back there, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm dealing with things. I'm fine. Keep driving. Um, but so just know yourself and know how to prevent those things. And, and like, it's okay to have an emotional response. And, and we should be angry and yeah. grieve when yeah. somebody Good. misses Absolutely. the gospel. That's okay. And then just pray for that person, you know. But it's okay to grieve and to have an emotional response when someone doesn't want to receive the greatest gift they've ever heard in their life. Because if we start putting up those walls where we're not emotionally affected by it, then the person sitting across from us is no longer a human. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're just somebody or like something to share the gospel with versus like, no, you can engage with this person and have an yeah, Yeah. you can have an emotional response. Mm -hmm. Great. I would say too, there's a lot of people who a volunteer and do these kinds of things because there's something inside of them that is deficient. And so they'll feel like, hey, if I just go volunteer, then that will kind of feed that need. Or they'll think things like the clinic needs me. Like I got to go over there and it's a little bit of a savior complex. Or they just have like an, um, they have an emotional, they, they watch a documentary or something on traffic children and they're like, oh, I just got to go do whatever, you know. And I would just say those are motivators that will get you into the game, but they cannot sustain you. And there's only one thing that can sustain you. And it's not a thing. It's a person, right? And, and that's just remaining with Jesus. If you remain with Jesus and learn to walk in step with the Spirit, 
then it doesn't matter where you are or how long you're there. And it's not that just because you're with Jesus, you can stop paying attention to yourself. Like that's part of being with Jesus. But the only sustaining power to do a prolonged, continuous ministry is you have got to draw your strength from the Holy Mm -hmm. Spirit. On that note, for the frustrated person, I just think of like 1 Corinthians, he talks about, hey, some of us came and planted, some of us watered, but it was the Lord that grew them. Mm -hmm. And so remembering that in your workplace, like your job might just be to plant and to be okay with that. Mm -hmm. And you're not going to see the result of the growth. That's up to the Lord. And then just keeping in mind, who's the guy that wrote that? It was a man that was killing Christians. And so no matter how horrible your coworker is, chances are they're probably not doing that unless maybe you live in another country. And so just keeping that in mind of like, hey, nobody is outside the um, ability of God to do work in their life. You just might not be the one to see it all the way through. Yeah, that's good. And even just as we've been talking today, some of the things that y'all are saying, like as simple as doing your devotional in the morning, asking, hey, how can I apply this today in my workplace or in the clinic? And then you were talking about being an engineer in a cube and you said, hey, I know the God of the universe and I'm just repeating what he says or you have God's spirit, you are equipped. All of these things, just like Nathan said, are grounded in a relationship with Jesus. That is where every single one of these tactics, quote unquote, it's grounded in this relationship, this personal relationship with Jesus. And he loves you. Yeah. And he loves them. Mm-hmm. And that's what you have to remember as you're engaging in the workplace or in the grocery store, or on your street or with your family, is that God loves you and he loves them too. It's so simple. Mm-hmm. I think one more thing to talk about with the workplace question is that conversation can a lot of times stall out on evangelism. Yeah, good. I was about, I was about to say that. And there's there's a, a second piece to it of if you are not, like we talked about at the clinic last time, if you are not doing your work with excellence yep. and building God's kingdom through your specific industry or role that you play, then the evangelism is for nothing. Mm-hmm. And so- Uh, Just to put a tangible out there, one of the probably the coolest things I saw the Lord do when I was at the engineering firm was we had healthcare and um, benefit structures that did not value newborn life. And it sent mom on a really difficult situation to choose life if she found herself in an unplanned pregnancy. And that was uh, a little bit of a scenario that played out while I was there. And one of the biggest, coolest things I got to be a part of was standing up for that and saying, hey, I think we should change the policy to where you don't have to opt in three years before to be able to have this benefit. What if it was an unexpected thing? And so just all that to say, like, I was able to do that because I had done my work with excellence. The Lord had favored some of the roles I was in. I moved up into senior leadership. And so those comments helped change structure, yep. not just a yep. one-on-one indiv- um, evangelism opportunity. It changed the structure and the culture. Of yeah, the people, people probably default when they hear about ministry, they probably default to all of the things that we've been saying, which is primarily evangelism, which is has its place. It's mm-hmm. critical yes. to the kingdom of God, but it's not the kingdom of God. There's also the Holy Spirit moving through, like you said, systems, mm-hmm. structures, mm-hmm. politics, mm-hmm. military, the arts, all of those things where it's like, hey, if we're not a faithful witness there, then just sharing the gospel with people, those things will clash mm-hmm. with one another. Mm-hmm. And frankly, in the history, especially in the history of the American church, we've largely abdicated our role in those yeah. things. We've largely been like, you know what? I'm going to go over here and do the Lord's work, you know? <laughs> and it's like, no, you're leaving the Lord's work yeah. Yeah. to go on a mission trip. Right. Yeah. So like, what the heck are you doing? So if you're out there and you're like, man, all I do is business acquisition or finance or medicine or work at an auto repair shop, what you're doing 
matters immensely to God. Mm -hmm. The fact that you turn your wrench or sign that check or think about a policy change Mm -hmm. in your company, like that is kingdom work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's a little bit of a soapbox. No, that's great. I mean, Paul didn't stop making tents. Like, yeah, and hopefully I would expect his tents were some of the best. Yeah, probably. And I mean, that's one of the best things that you can do for your company that you work at, no matter how secular is recognize you've been given a seat at the table. So show up and take it, take your seat and raise your hand for Jesus to not show up there. Like that's just such a miss. You've been given a seat every single day that you get to show up. A lot of our role as believers, one of our primary roles as believers is wherever we are to plant a flag in the ground and be like, this is Jesus's mm-hmm. territory mm-hmm. to bear witness. I mean, I, it was Abraham Kuyper who said, there's no place in all of God's creation that Jesus doesn't look and say, that's mine. Mm-hmm. And that's our job as, as image bearers who have been reanimated by the spirit to bear witness to the fact that this is God's place. Yeah, anyway. I'm going to give an altar call. (laughs) (laughs) Paige will respond. We're still still waiting for her. Uh, So I think if you are sitting at work and discouraged by not seeing God move in some of those ways, I think the very tangible next step I would give you is try to find a friend that either works there and is like-minded or works elsewhere and is like-minded and start meeting up to pray. This was one of the big pivot points for me was I found another believer And we did not align on every little detail. She goes to a very different church than I do, but we agreed that, hey, we want to live out our faith in this work environment. And that was probably good for both of you. Yes, it actually very much so was. Yes, I learned a lot from her. Yeah, it's great. Um, But so we got to sit down and we just started by praying through our telephone directory of our coworkers and praying specifics that we knew about what was going on in their life. And that birthed a Bible study and that led to people meeting Jesus and people coming to church and people who have still not chosen to follow Jesus coming to Watermark events and ministries just to learn. So I would start there. Find one person, even if they're not in your building, that you can sit down pray about this with and be your mutual encourager because if you try to do it solo you will get discouraged corporate america can be a very lonely and discouraging place and it's easy to put your head down and just think i'm going to work 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 and go home but that's not what god would want you to do he has a much bigger adventure i think headed your way that's so good i would add to that too of wherever you are there's probably somebody that kind of reports to you or that at least looks to you for leadership and so multiply yourself Um, my job every day i show up trying to put myself out of a job Um, because I want my volunteers to be so well-equipped and trained that I could leave tomorrow and the place would not fall apart, that they don't need me. Um, And so you have some ownership in that of like, hey, what are you teaching and training them of how to work? And so like we have an amazing leadership team at the clinic that I have, you know, really deployed and delegated a lot of responsibility to. And so I know that I can step away and be here right now because they're there running the ship. So deploy your people and deploy into them um, just a work ethic that models your beliefs and know that you have power over that. That's so good. You mean the clinic is not falling apart if, right now? With it might be here? on fire. I don't know. That's, <laughs> that would be a pretty be normal awesome. day, though, yeah. if it's on fire. <laughs> that's that's not, not yeah. normal. <laughs> hey, at least y'all didn't get blown away by that tornado. Yeah. yeah they came close. Yeah. They were out of internet for a little while, but yeah. they survived. Good. Well, tell us a couple stories to encourage us mm. as we as we end this podcast today. So what are some of the stories of life change that y'all have seen that uh, could just remind our listeners, like, hey, God is working. God is moving. <laughs> You're gonna have to time box us. Um, <laughs> I want. I have. I have two that are on the tip of my tongue. Uh, one would be volunteers. So on this topic of workplace ministry and applying what you're doing at church and in your faith life to all of your life, 
there are two dentists that immediately come to front of mind that have said, hey, I want to use my dental skills to serve people. But then they didn't stop there. They said, okay, well, I'm doing dentistry Monday through Friday. How do I maximize that as well? And so one of those is a guy named Dr. Kevin Adettle, who's up at our Plano campus, and he helped launch our entire dental service line. He approached us, said, hey, we've got a clinic. Why aren't we doing dentistry? And as we tend to do around here, we said, great idea, Kevin, go for it. Yeah. And he actually went for it. And so he, you know, pushed his organizational skills and administrative skills and made it happen. And we are now seeing dental patients for the last three, four years because of his leadership. And it didn't stop there. In his offices, he has Watermark Newses sitting around, ministry cards for re-engage, regen, all those kinds of things. And so he is continuing to grow in his ability to take that into his practice, which would be the temptation to believe a lot of those lies of, I can't do this here. I'm going to go do that at the clinic. Mm -hmm. He's not stopped there. And then the second is Dr. John Wallace, who kind of took that another notch and said, hey, I have a, I'm specialized in dentistry. I, it doesn't, I could come serve at the clinic, but that's not really using the maximum of my gifts. What if you guys come here and bring your patients to my facility and I let y'all use it periodically and see your patients in my facility? So we get to go to his specialized offices, use his tools and equipment. He mobilizes his staff, some believers, some not, to have a chance to come and serve, but then also rub up against other believers and have chances to learn about Jesus while they're there. And so that's just another phenomenal example of like, hey, he didn't just sit on those and say, okay, I'm going to come serve every once in a while. He put the two together to where now his staff that might be at different churches or have a little bit of church background are getting to interact with his body of Christ and getting to hear more about that. So that's one. And I mean, we have that 10 times over, um, which is just so humbling and constantly an encouragement to us for what we do. It's cool when I'm sometimes in our, uh, we have a weekly staff meeting and uh, anytime Christy's there to share a story, <laughs> uh, everybody kind of perks up because we know we're about to hear something really awesome. So it's I been... don't do it often enough. HIPAA is our worst yeah. enemy. <laughs> but, uh, I hear you. Yeah. And then one volunteer or one patient one I would share real fast, uh, just to your point of like the bigness uh, and the glory of God is like, he will use anything and our plans and our assumptions don't limit him. And so very early on when I started working there, started to notice, hey, we're seeing an uptick in international patients and a lot of Muslim men and women coming in and out of our building. And hey, I don't think our team is super well equipped on that. And so using my strategy brain, I was like, okay, I'm going to do a little, little training. I'm going to invite my key leaders. I'm going to have staff step away for a minute, but I'm only going to invite key leaders. Like that'll multiply it out. I want to stop down everything. So I did that one day and like put a lot of effort and energy into like getting the right bagels set up, the, the room set up the right <laughs> way, getting the right teacher there. We had slides and printouts and all this. And so we're going through this training, which is a good thing. Like that honors the Lord. And during that training, one of the volunteers who I had not invited, I noticed kept coming and dipping back and like peeking his head in the door and then going back and serving in the role he was. And um, come to find out afterwards, he approached me and said, hey, so do we like have a policy if someone meets Jesus? And I was like, okay, well, I have more questions for you. Like, not really a policy, but we have next steps. And um, come to find out he had just been sitting in the lobby. So not even in a patient room with a Muslim man who prayed to receive Christ oh my God. while in the break room, I'm doing a training on it. And so that was just- Y'all turn to page 14. All right. Paragraph three. God has <laughs> yes. And so I will never forget that. I that was a it. very clear message of like, hey, Shermac, cool. Yeah, yeah. Love the heart, yeah. but don't negate my ability to work 
through my people and just yeah. work. And so we see that over Super. and over and over again, that he's just way bigger than we'd imagine. Gosh, so many stories. I mean, we've had so many women who come in in crisis with an unplanned pregnancy and they are hopeless. And we get the chance to sit in front of them and not just say like, hey, we care about the life inside of you, but we care about you mm. and you matter just as much in this. And so we will promise you the moon. We will partner with you and walk through this. And so we have seen so many choose life um, because they came in feeling hopeless and feeling alone and feeling ashamed or whatever it may be. And we get to remind them that like, hey, God cares about you. He cares about all life. There is no guilt or shame in him. I mean, you are not alone. Yeah. And that's the frequent message we hear back from them is I came in feeling completely alone and not knowing mm -hmm. what to do. And I know that I am not alone now because we've got to make those connections. Oh, People that come back with sonogram pictures. Yeah. They bring their babies. Babies. <laughs> I yeah, mean, there was one, there's one in particular that we, we don't always know where that story ends, right? Yeah, we do our right, best yeah. to follow up, but sometimes people don't respond to your phone calls, all that kind of stuff. Uh, there was one 14 months later, a woman walked in with a baby and we're like, that was the baby we were fighting yeah. for life. And Ugh. I mean, like God just does that over and over again. Yeah. So very, cool. very cool. Just sweet little stories of, you know, a, a mom who brought her kids into the clinic. And then uh, the next weekend we get a, a call from the children's ministry saying, hey, this mom showed up with her discharge papers and her kids because they said they told her to come here. <laughs> and she literally Aww. brought her discharge papers in. It was like, I was just told this is where we need to be. And, and it was, <laughs> you know, and like, that's amazing. And how many times I've had conversations and I don't know where they go. And I come in and I see them here. Yeah. I see them uh -huh. walking out of region on Monday night. I see them in re-engage. Yeah. Um, and so just amazing stories like that that uh, there we couldn't even it would be nine more podcasts if we tried to talk <laughs> I do have one more I'm going to make make you listen to uh, speaking of God using the small things that we tend to like think are stupid so I'm not a big tracked person like yeah not my favorite thing like they have a, spiritual laws yes or they have a place or whatever yeah. they're they're useful to in different circumstances but I I can be cynical and roll my eyes at it yep. so we do have some on site we tend to put more Bibles and those kinds of resources out but we do have spaces for some of that stuff and so there was a new one that we had started to put in rooms that I especially rolled my eyes at it was like 60 seconds for the gospel and it was like 10 little statements that outline the gospel and so a couple of weeks back, I walked into a patient room and was talking to a sweet family and asking them questions about their faith background. And they shared they had, you know, been Catholic and then had been talked to about Jehovah's Witness stuff and just seemed like they didn't have really any foundation, but had been around some of that stuff. And so I shared the gospel and the dad's response was, yes, I, I believe that. And I said, oh my gosh, that's awesome. When did you hear about that? And he goes, right here, this little thing on the wall. <laughs> and I, was I like, just read this track that I, told me the gospel in 60 seconds. Yes. And I was like, I'm sorry, like today, like before I walked in the room, you read yeah. the thing. He's like, yeah. And then I picked up this other thing and I read this thing and he communicated back to me the gospel and he had it like, and I yeah. said, so do you think that's true? And his answer is, yeah, it's in the Bible. It's got to be true. And so, I mean, right then and there, he made his confession and profession. I explained to him Romans 10, 9, and 10, and yeah. what an appropriate response that would be, and to take the commitment seriously. And he was ready to respond. I mean, it was, it, and that's, you know, a perfect example of I rolled my eyes at the Man. little colored piece of paper, yep. and God was like, I want to use that. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Man, if those stories don't just like, fire you up and make you want to run through a wall, then I don't know what you're listening to. I'd like to. to see that, Karen. I might be small, but I got some power. I got some power. Man, well, I just want to emphasize a couple of stories that y'all told just took one person with a little bit of courage to speak up about a vision that they had. Mm -hmm. And it is making yes. massive waves yes. of impact. Yes. And so if you're out there and you think you have some crazy idea that the Lord may never use, Speak up. Yeah, you Jesus, never know. 
Jesus is the type of person who takes five loaves and two fish and feeds 15,000 people. Yeah, Mm -hmm. just Um, little things like that. And uh, who's the one who had the lunch? You know, a little kid, Mm -hmm. the less than, Mm -hmm. you know. And uh, it doesn't surprise me at all that there's a guy in the lobby being faithful and there's a stupid little colored track, you know, (laughs) that Jesus is like, yeah, watch this, Uh you know. And that's just, it's like, hey, man, keep flexing. I love it. Well, ladies, thank you for your ministry. Thank you that you guys take what you do very seriously, that you offer the gifts that Jesus has given to you, specific and unique gifts, whether it's medicine or vision and administration or whatever it is, to offer to offer your five loaves and two fish to the Lord and go, hey, I don't know what you're going to do with this. You know, like Christy, like you're saying, like, oh, I've kind of got this plan, but I, who knows, you know. I think if we follow y'all's example and just continue to offer our loaves and fish that, like you said, Christy, like there's an adventure that waits for you that you would not be able to dream of, even if you were told, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I would just encourage everybody. It doesn't have to be a, a medical clinic. It doesn't have to be y'all's specific expression of mm-hmm. how this plays out in your life. But what f- your faith in action, lift your head up, look around, watch for people, and the opportunities are there, I promise. So Christy, Paige, thanks for your time. We really Thank appreciate it. Thank you, guys. That. It was fun. Thanks for listening to the Equipping Podcast. As always, tell your friends about it. Leave us a rating on iTunes. And if you have questions or if you have topics that you'd like for us to cover, then shoot us an email at equippingpodcast at watermark.org. Peace. Bye.